This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. In time, you will know what it's like to lose. To feel so desperately that you're right, yet to fail all the same. Welcome back to Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. I'm Tyler. I'm Bo. I'm Aaron. And season one may be over, but Wakanda never takes a vacation. We are back to talk about the most ambitious crossover in cinematic movie history, Infinity War. Y'all ready to talk about this? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is that? Wait, what? <laughs> I was trying to place it. I was like, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's coming together. Listen, I got to say this before before we get into this. It's Infinity War, not Infinity Wars, okay? I've been seeing a lot of people saying, I'm excited to see Infinity Wars. What what wars are there? It wasn't multiple wars. It was one singular war. It's, it reminds me of how people say Valentine's Day and sorry for your lost. Listen, guys, you got to get this right, okay? Infinity War, singular. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I'm just telling you how I feel. We, we must do better. Marvel has trained us to overestimate things in, in terms of like what we're actually getting. For example, Age of Ultron right. was like barely even a week. So that, you can't even call that an age. It's it's just Age of Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> it's just week, week of Ultron. Right, that's such a good point. <laughs> week of Ultron, days of Ultron. Right, exactly. Listen, we, we ought to tell you guys this beforehand. As we get into Infinity War, there will be spoilers. I don't know why y'all thought we were going to come on here. And if you did think we we're going to come on here and do a non-spoiler review, I don't know what you were thinking, but this is spoilers. So if you have not seen Infinity War singular, the wars, we haven't seen that either. But if you have not seen Infinity War singular, we're about to spoil it for you. In three, two, one. Okay, this is your fault. If you're still here and you haven't seen the movie, it's your fault. Okay, gentlemen, Infinity War, crazy, insane. I felt all the emotions, all the feels. Was it what you were expecting? Yes. I knew that it would be dark, right? Because Thanos has been behind the scenes for quite some time now. I was in my 20s when Thanos was still behind the scenes. So, so. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, I'm, 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 all right, look, don't, because don't. you sunned yourself, I'm going to just let that, let that stand. Keep going. And so, you know, and so anticipating his full fledged emergence, you knew what, if you're familiar with the character, then you knew that he was coming to bring death and destruction. And there was just really no way around that. And one of the things that I didn't anticipate, though, was how his power would be put on display from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And so when they're on the ship and he's engaging Thor and Loki, and I think it was Loki that said, we have a Hulk, right? And so, you know, Hulk comes out of nowhere and I'm thinking, oh, snap, here it is. Hulk is about to just put it on him, you know, from the very beginning. And then Hulk gets <laughs> embarrassed. <laughs> yep. He gets watched, bro. 
Hulk, Hulk, Hulk gets washed so bad he never comes back out. You know, like, like, like Hulk has issues. Like Hulk needs some help now. Like he, you know, he needs somebody to walk him through his stuff now. You know, after, after that episode. <laughs> and dude, I and 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 when I saw him do that, uh, I was like, whoa. And so that really set the tone for the rest of the film in terms of how calm and collected, but incredibly sadistic and strong and um, just just stubbornly willful Thanos would be. Yeah, absolutely. Bo, you've been waiting for this for years, decades, yes, since sir. you read the comics. Man, what were you thinking? What what Did it meet your expectations? Man, it did not meet my expectations because every single expectation I had was totally exceeded by this movie. Like it, it blew them yes. out of the water. Everything I thought going into it, every prediction I made with the exception of one prediction, which I can't even remember what that, oh, that, that Loki would die in the first couple of minutes. I, every of other course. prediction was thrown out. And like, Aaron's exactly right, man. Like you, you see Thanos like coming up on the scene and he, you know, you, you think about the state of the universe going into this movie and what was done with, you know, Civil War and how right before Civil War, we had these two powerhouses of Hulk and Thor removed from Earth so that Civil War can be more of a human story. Even though you got all these superheroes like fighting each other, you know, the, the God and the monster are taken out. And so it's just humans going at each other. Uh, so, you know, it, it laid the playing field for a really compelling story from that standpoint and set up what we got in Thor Ragnarok, which was more this like high adventure cosmic space opera, mm-hmm. you know, just yes. just crazy immense power that you see uh, happening in space where it can be, you know, it doesn't have to be contained on Earth. Well, now we've got these two powerhouses. They've been hanging out. They're up in space. And Thanos shows up on the scene. He kills a god. He kills Heimdall. He kills or he he, he punches out the Hulk and scares him right back into banner. And he offs Loki, who of course was the original Avengers bad guy. Like he Loki, the villain that brought this team together, he comes in and dude, like, like completely wipes him out before the movie even really starts. And so, you know, yes, like Thanos showing up really kind of showcasing who he is, that he is a legitimate threat, you know, Ultron, um, you know, the Avengers age of Ultron, great, fine movie for what it did in terms of establishing a lot of, pieces of the universe and setting up a lot of what, what it's even going on now. Uh, but Ultron was never at all this kind of level of villain. He was not, he wasn't in compelling in the same way Thanos is. He didn't really right. have that same level of threat that Thanos does like right out the gate. So yeah, no man, this was, this was an epic movie. There's so much happening and dude, I've been just waiting to geek out with you guys about this. This is, this is going to be a fun review. Yeah. Listen, we got to talk about our favorite parts, the parts of that really, that we just loved. We'll talk about shocking parts after that. And then maybe some things that we thought could have been done better, but we have to talk about just our favorite parts. And I'll pick one out of the hat. The interaction between Thor and Quill, Peter Quill, was crazy. <laughs> Listen, because I was wondering how the egos, and we can kind of put alongside of that Doctor Strange and Iron Man, but I'll let you guys talk about that. But the interaction of the characters, we, we could tell it wasn't all going to be just hunky-dory. It wasn't all going to be a situation where they come together and they just completely see eye to eye on the front end of everything. But what we saw is this tension between Thor and Peter Quill really, in in honesty, all from Quill's side. Like He was completely <laughs> self-conscious. He, he was not used to being anything other than the guy that everyone 
adored, right? And so that was one of my favorite parts because all those interactions were hilarious. Uh, we'll kick it to Bo. What was one of your favorite parts? Uh, that was that 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 was good. The Chris off, as I like to call it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, Hemsworth yes. and Pratt. Hemsworth versus Pratt. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, man. Okay, so so the whole I know it seemed kind of like this weird uh, side quest of the the forging of Stormbreaker. But that whole plot line, I actually found really, really, Listen. dude, it brought in so many cosmic elements of, uh, from the, from the comics and the dynamic between Thor and Rocket in particular was, was really fascinating. Cause here you have this God and this talking raccoon and they're going off building a magic hammer with a talking tree. Who's not even talking because he's being a, you know, a teenager, like that's this movie <laughs> that's in this movie. That's all happening while everything else that's, that's all, you know, the ridiculous across the universe is happening. But the, the appearance of Stormbreaker, which unfortunately was kind of spoiled for me with the, with the toys and everything. I, I saw an image of that and it kind of broke my heart. Uh, Cause spoilers. that was, yeah, man, I really wish that hadn't been spoiled for me, but, but forging that hammer with giant Dinklage and everything. And then him popping on earth, like during the battle of Wakanda, that was my big, like stand up moment. Like, yeah, like you know that was awesome that was crazy that was actually going to be my second moment because i think that whole scene on never delir was crazy because mm. it showed just how powerful thor is yes yes like yeah. it just showed just him holding open it with his bare hands and then when he takes stormbreaker also it's just a little it's it's awesome for me because one of my favorite comic book characters is beta ray bill so i think this just means we're going to get beta ray bill soon but well, it, I, you know dude we had beta ray knows? teased up in ragnarok of course his his face was up on the wall yes. and i'll i'll just kind of mm-hmm. uh, insert a little bit of uh, comic book knowledge too because of, with that you know stormbreaker is the hammer from the co- comics that beta ray bill, bill wielded however this design is actually a nod to the ultimate's version of thor uh, in the hammer that, that he actually used in that one, which is really more of an axe than a hammer. And so mm-hmm. they, they took yep. these two iconic weapons and kind of blended them together by while also adding their own twist with using Groot's handle, uh, which which that has never been done, I don't think, in the comics before. Yeah, that's that's new. Yeah, and so just a really kind of a fantastic way to bring um, what is, a, I think, a very kind of cool artifact of the comics into the, the big screen. Hmm. Yo, that's crazy. I'm glad you talked about that. Aaron, favorite part? Okay. You are a dude. This is a god. <laughs> no, this is, no, this is a man. <laughs> Welcome to the Thor podcast. Where <laughs> you, you're like, hold on, wait, what? That I just so feel funny. like, yo, Drax, that's look, because you know, Drax is just no filter. You know, and he, what did he say? Yeah, an angel and a pirate had a baby. You know, and and so immediately, uh, Quill is very insecure. And uh, doesn't really know what to do with him, you know. And so that was that was initially my favorite moment. But I was really waiting. I was really anticipating Captain America reuniting with T'Challa and watching them interact and then seeing T'Challa so authoritative and that line, get that man a shield. So, yeah, that was like I was, okay, it's on now. We're we're, going to. We we have to talk about that in a minute because we got to talk about the whole idea of Wakanda. Obviously, this is Once Upon a Time in Wakanda podcast, but Captain America's arrival was so dope. And the way in which he played off of Black Widow and Falcon mm. in attacking um, Proxima Midnight and Corvus Grave, that was crazy mm-hmm. to me. I felt like that was so – it was so smooth and fluid because you're seeing these regular human beings – 
take down. And it was kind of weird because I'm like, yo, so Scarlet Witch and Vision can't take down these two. But then Captain America, like, no, <laughs> they have like no superpowers, like really. I mean, they're just enhanced. So I'm like, well, how does this work? How does how does Vision and Scarlet Witch get washed by these people, but Captain America can save them now? I don't know. But anyway, so I felt like it was still very cool. It was a great introduction into, and also kind of this little reunion as well mm. um, with the reality that, you know, some of these people have been on opposite sides and then they kind of all come together. I thought that was dope. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's talk about shocking parts. Let's talk about the parts that you were like, yo, this is crazy. And obviously in the first five minutes, we get massive death and destruction. Thor is completely taken out of the game and the equation. Hulk is smashed. Loki and Heimdall are killed immediately with almost no effort. What are some other shocking parts that were set up after that? Well, in anticipating Thanos with this drive to create balance and destroy the universe, you know, by half, basically, right? You knew that at some point, something along those lines would take place. And so I had an anticipation for that. What I did not anticipate was him killing Gamora. And Mm -hmm. because she begins to laugh at him, you know, as he's on the cusp of receiving the soul stone. And she says, the universe, you know, judges you. You love nothing. And and I was like, well, yeah, she's right. She's right. But then he turns around and you see those tears. And immediately I was like, oh, no, hmm. man, it's her. He loves her. And it was hmm. this really kind of conflicting moment because here is this character who is psychopathic, nihilistic, you know, um, you know, to say that Thanos has a God complex is the understatement of the millennium. And, and you're thinking, and, <laughs> right. and, he, and he's so dispassionate normally. And so this dispassionate villain, you see kind of a, a glimpse into the angst and the conflict that is within him. And in slow motion, you know, it seemed dragging her to the edge of the cliff to cast her down. That was that was the most shocking moment of the film for me. And and real talk, as soon as she started laughing, I'm like, oh, she did. She's totally she did. Yeah. Like as soon as she started laughing, I was like, oh, okay, so this is what y'all gonna do? Like y'all gonna kill her right now? And that was the moment when I knew he was getting all six. Like as soon as he got the soul stone, right, I was yeah. like, oh, okay, he's getting all six. Like there's no way. Bo, it's crazy because we've thought about this and talked about this and we've texted back and forth predictions over and over and over again. What shocked you? Because if something shocked us, if (laughs) if something shocked us, it was significant because we're trying to figure out they're not going to go the full on comic route. Um, They're not going to do everything that they do in the comics, yet they did far more than what we expected. Mm. So what shocked you? Okay, so that it's not that that's that's not a fair question because this movie is like shocks nonstop. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Like like there's it's exactly. it's hard to pick out one thing, but I I will say one thing that shocked me that I absolutely did not expect, which is most of the movie, but the one that really kind of made me just like oh, was the reveal of Red Skull because this is a character, some, yes. some someone who oh, hasn't been yes, watching bro. or keeping up with the Marvel universe. You, you might not have known, you might just have seen like kind of a creepy dude in a in a hood. But no, that that is Red Skull from the original Captain America movie uh from the first Avenger. 
where we saw at the end of that movie, the Red Skull is actually holding an Infinity Stone. He's actually holding the Tesseract, which contains the Space Stone. And it opens up this portal and he gets... Some people thought he was ripped apart, but I think most of us assumed he got thrown into space. And so to have that loose thread that has existed for like eight years tied up in this movie in such a very oddly satisfying way was kind of this like, man, that is a deep cut from their own lore. Mm -hmm. Like that was really, really impressive to me that they were able to pull that off. So I was, I was legitimately shocked to see him there. Not, I mean like, yes, the death and everything else. I don't know that there was a death that occurred that I wasn't shocked about, but, but in terms of this one life, they ended up resurrecting for this film (laughs) that really shocked me. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because they've been waiting for that for eight, nine years now. Yeah. You know, if you take mm-hmm. chronologically, it's the first story in, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it came after Iron Man. And so knowing that they were waiting for that and they could have pulled that card at any point, but they waited till 10 years later almost to pull that. That was just it, it showed me, wow, they're really thinking about the long game. And it also showed me, not to give away what I think about Avengers 4, I don't think we have any clue what's going to happen in Avengers 4. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. I don't think we have any clue of what's really going to happen in Avengers 4. But let's talk about this. The biggest shock of the entire movie, I guess we can say, due to the impact and due to the climax, if that's what you want to call it, was the elimination of half the universe, as Aaron was talking about. Now, I didn't think they would actually do that. Mm. I didn't think they would actually do the snap because I said half the heroes have to die or a lot of the heroes have to die. So why would they do that? But in true Marvel fashion, they actually cleared the decks for themselves because it got rid of a lot of the heroes that they mm-hmm. don't have to write in this next movie. And so they were able to focus on the original Avengers. So here's the interesting thing. They killed off some of the most popular characters, Peter Quill, who, to be honest with you, and we got to talk about that battle on Titan in a minute, but Peter Quill, who, to be honest with you, is no longer everyone's favorite. Uh, uh, good morning to everyone except Peter Quill. I'm just telling you what people are saying. Look, people saying this brother is the villain. People saying this brother got issues. No, all I'm right, just look, saying. Look, look, look. In defense, he of reacted Peter how Quill. any of us. He reacted how any of us would, would have reacted. Exactly. In my, in my you got to remember, he literally like he didn't know bubbles was going to come out of his gun. He had to go through the psychological like process of having to kill Gamora, this woman that he loves, but definitely loves on some level. And like, you know, like he was going to fight against it and he legitimately pulls the trigger. He had every yeah. intention of killing her as was her wishes. And then to have, right. you know, that go through that just traumatic experience, like ha- still have her and then have him take her away in such a brutal fashion so that she failed in her mission and he had to go through all this process just to get there. Now, I totally understood where he was coming from in that moment. Yeah, he screwed up, but I understood. I completely understand where he was coming from. Right, right. Absolutely. And I agree with you, but I just... Everyone in the theater was going nuts on Quill <laughs> in that moment. Yeah. They were going crazy. But not only does he die, but then we also have Drax um, fading away. We have Mantis fading away. We have Groot fading away, which was very crazy. According to, I think it was either James Gunn or one of the Russo brothers. Oh, you're about to say it. His last, yeah, 
his last words were, or his last word was dad to Rocket Raccoon, which, you know, I don't know how y'all came up with that, but that's just all the feels. I'm dead inside. Like, I'm fading away right now. That's crazy. Um, Sam Wilson, um, Falcon also, he faded away. I don't think anyone really cared about that. That was very interesting. Uh, (laughs) You know, nobody (laughs) nobody saying anything about it. So I'm just like, well, I guess brother died. I don't know what's going on. Scarlet Witch, of course, she was pretty much ready to go anyway. And then we had um, some others that were a little bit more surprising because they're very new characters. So number one, Doctor Strange. Now, Doctor Strange saw 14,605 possibilities, but Doctor Strange ends up handing over the time stone to Thanos to save Tony Stark's life, which was a very interesting, heartfelt, but also from where we're sitting, seemed like a foolish um, decision to make. I want to talk about Doctor Strange in a minute because he was super powerful in this movie. But not only Doctor Strange, but Spider-Man as well. Mm. Spider-Man in the most heartfelt death, I guess, that we could say in the entire movie. Yeah. Feels it I guess, due to his spidey senses. He feels what's happening to him. He feels that he's going to fade away. And then in an Oscar-worthy performance Dude. from Tom Holland, he falls into... T- yo, t- how did y'all react when Spider-Man was like, yo, I don't feel so good? How did y'all react? That was jarring because normally his character, again, we're, we're just being introduced to his character. Um, well, you know, Tom, Tom Holland's run of it. And um, you're watching the different characters on Titan begin to dissolve. And you're thinking, okay, it's going to be half of them. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they'll leave him behind. And then the, the dramatic nature in which he pulled that off, man, it really, man, it really was kind of this 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 powerful moment, man. And then you got yeah. to see how the, there was this this father son, you know, or mentor type relationship with Stark. Yes, and mm-hmm. and how he falls into his arms, man, and how as a young man in a very scary situation. He, he reaches for someone safe. And so, you, you know what I'm saying? He's like, if I could just kind of, mm-hmm. man, that was, wow. Yeah. That, that one, that was, uh, that, that one really. It's okay. Just it was, say you cry. It was, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's fine. You're trying to get my around the fact you cried in like, the theater. And I, I may have in front of my son, couple, like, you know, yeah, I may have had that. Yeah. 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 So, Yeah. <laughs> I did too. I mean, I know Bo did. Oh man, look, when it comes down to it, like two of the most influential fictional characters in my life growing up were Luke Skywalker and Peter Parker. Like, like those were like my two heroes and to some extent still are like my two heroes, like top tier heroes for me. And like in the last 12 months, I've had to watch both of them die. (laughs) Like, you know, on the, on the, uh, and, and literally fade away. And I remember actually. Both of them fade away. Wow. Dude, I, I think I, Tyler, I think I texted you right after I saw Last Jedi. I just said, like, I just watched my hero die. Like, it was just, it was this weird, like, sense of loss and, but also kind of satisfaction with Luke because it was the continue, like, it was the perfect, and, you know, not to dive into that movie, but like, it was this perfect way for him to bookend his life and his legacy in that moment. Yes. Flip over to mm-hmm. Peter Parker, this young man who is just starting out and is terrified. Like you, you say Oscar worthy and Ad is absolutely correct. Like, you know, the, the, I don't want to go like, Oh man, like that was just gut wrenching because you just felt yeah. like this little terrified young man of dealing with death. And um, yeah, like that, that floored me. 
It absolutely floored me. It did for me too. Also, I didn't mention Bucky dies in front of his friend, Captain America, of course. And then the big one for us, because this is Once Upon a Time in Wakanda, T'Challa dies again. Now listen, man, <laughs> I, I'm just trying, why that brother keep dying? Like he just keeps dying all the time, man. Someone was like, I, I bet T'Chaka is tired of seeing his son in the ancestral plane. <laughs> He's seen his son in the ancestral plane three times in the last like few months. It's like, yo, fam, can you stop dying? Like, what's good? Like, mm. So T'Challa dies, and I think for a lot of people, they were like, yo, that's a dead giveaway that all these characters are coming back because they're not getting rid of T'Challa. But listen, when he faded away, I said, man, he's never going to be the same. There's something about the way he died. There's something about all these characters that makes me think there's they're, they're not going to be able to reset as easily as people think they are. Hmm. And so when T'Challa died, I said, Wakanda will never be the same. And it made me think about what M'Baku said as those creatures, I don't know what they call Chitari or whatever, but they six, six armed creatures that were killing themselves yeah. and doing all kind of stuff. M'Baku sees them coming. He's like, Wakanda, is, Wakanda's, this is it. This is the end of Wakanda. <laughs> like we done. Like this is never going to be the same. And when he died, I said, man, how will Wakanda change? How will Shuri change? How will M'Baku change? How will Okoye change? How will all these characters that we've come to know and love be completely different than they were before? And how will the country of Wakanda itself change fundamentally, maybe for the worse, forever? So when when Black Panther died, when T'Challa fades away, were you thinking, was it shock or was it, oh, okay, yeah, they're going to bring him back? Bo, Bo, talk to me. Were you like, ah, they're going to bring him back? No worries. Yeah, I think I think killing T'Challa was the... If if I had to criticize this movie for making a bad decision, I think that was a bad decision because it is, like you say, it is the dead giveaway. Like I remember thinking, because right after him was Groot, and I remember like feeling harder on Groot dying than than T'Challa dying because for one thing, it just happened so quick. It's like blinking, you miss it, and he kind of like leans over and he's gone, and you're like, wait, mm-hmm. wait, what? And then you see like you know Groot being like, ah, you know, like kind of the sad face die, but like yeah, right. T'Challa is like everybody else, like. All right, so so even Peter Parker, like, if they were to kill Peter Young and then they've got these new movies scheduled, you know, and they did this whole you know fake out thing, they could bring in Miles Morales at this stage in the game. It would probably make more sense with the whole Sony deal and everything behind the scenes. Uh, you know, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I could see that going. Um, with the Guardians of the Galaxy, we know there's a third one in the works, but we also, if you think back, at the end of The Last Guardians, they actually set up a new Guardians of the Galaxy team. So if nothing yes. else, to kind mm-hmm. of give you this idea that a new Guardians... Uh, Guardians three could not necessarily be about you know the the, the same characters, um, you know everybody else is is primarily more of you know support role style characters with with Scarlet Witch with Falcon with um, uh, uh, with Bucky like all of these different characters yeah. are I don't want to say expendable but they don't necessarily have movies coming out, but with right. T'Challa. That no 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 Marvel Disney is not about to <laughs> not about to kill the well, goose that lays the golden egg. I, I just do not see that that happening, which kind of upsets me, man. Because like I feel like that's really the big tip of the hat. Like yes, yes, Thanos will will return in Avengers four, as will almost everybody that died post snap. Here's what I think, though. I think that Marvel, the cinematic universe, is very tough. You, you guys talked about this in season one. I was very tough on T'Challa. I was tough on T'Challa making decisions, short-sighted decisions that I thought weren't the best for Wakanda, weren't the best for his longevity. And Marvel is very, Marvel's tougher on T'Challa than I am. 
because <laughs> every decision he makes has a consequence. Everything he does has an immediate visceral consequence. Mm. And I think it was perfect because I think it showed him this is what happens when you open up to the colonizers. <laughs> like, this is what happens when you open your border. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it just is what it is. Like, I feel like it's just like, hey, this is what was going to happen. Like, and Okoye even hints at it. She's like, I didn't expect this. Like, I expected the Olympics. I expected something else, but I didn't expect to open up. I didn't, I didn't think this is what it meant. And so I think this was necessary to show hmm. it was that it was the consequence of T'Challa's action for better or for worse. It doesn't mean he made the wrong decision per se, but that decision comes with consequences and it fundamentally changes Wakanda. And so for me, I felt like, yo, it's perfect because he needed to learn that lesson. Hmm. And when he comes back, I don't think he's going to be in the same place. And I don't think Wakanda is going to be in the same place, no matter what happens, no matter how they're able to reset it. Hmm. I was, I was not surprised. Um, oh, I should say it wasn't jarring to see him dissolve because of course we all knew, well, he's coming back, right? The only thing that it provoked within me were questions in terms of the trajectory of Wakanda itself. So does what happened to T'Challa, does that create a vacuum in terms of uh, that, that sets the the stage for the ascendance of Shuri, mm. you know, um, why all y'all think Shuri going? Why all y'all think Shuri going to step out over Mbaku? Well, why I'm all just, y'all think? I'm just saying though, no, because I mean, it does happen in the comics. Like you know, it does happen. So I'm thinking, are they doing that? And then also, it it also I anticipated. Okay, T'Challa bringing him back, will he come back even more enhanced? Will he come back with even greater power? You, you know, um, because if they're dissolving, they have to go somewhere, you know, and we know that for some of them, there are destinations and things like that that are different depending on the character. And so it actually kind of created within me this, this excitement like, man, when he returns, what's he going to be like? Is he going to be more powerful, you know? Or And, and like I said, is this going to create uh, a power vacuum within Wakanda where, you know, who's going to step up? Who's going to lead? How's that going to work? And and how is that going to play into whether or not, you know, the, the next Black Panther movie, which is already, you know, I don't know if it's in the works, but we know that it's happening. So I was like, man, because there are so many different ways they can take it, so many different directions. Listen, he's not going to be more powerful if the Russo brothers are directing him. I'll just tell you that right now. I'm going I'm to I'm say this. Wakanda was was underserved in this film. Yes. It was. And I'm not talking about oh, time. Yeah. I'm not talking about attention. I'm not talking about even, even you know, just the amount of space that they gave it within the movie context. I'm talking about the richness and depth that we saw in Black Panther was nowhere in this film. And it it ticked me off. The second time I watched it, I was like, man, <laughs> why is it that all these characters seem so flat? Why is it yeah. that all these... I mean, T'Challa's barely saying anything, no range of emotions, just nothing. I mean, just flat. I mean, there's, there's a couple of hints at their rituals and Wakanda's cool and fun. But here's something we got to talk about. And someone mentioned this to me on Twitter. There are two black characters that are coming in, if you want to talk about Rhodey and Falcon, mm-hmm. who apparently have never been to Wakanda. And they come in like Wakanda is just a normal country. 
Like they might as well just, they don't even react as soon as they break the wall. Well, Rody's cracking like, oh, jokes. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, what? Like, yo, this is, this is your people. Like, what's up, man? Like, uh, go ahead, Aaron. That just bothered me. Well, no, no, no. I mean, like, it was, it was, for lack of a better term, their responses were irreverent. Right. Mm. I mean, so I'm sitting, I'm sitting next to my son and then there's the, you know, the scene where, you know, you fly through the barrier and there is Wakanda and my son goes, yes. Like that was one of his most exciting moments <laughs> in the whole movie. And I'm thinking they're about to do it. Here we go. New characters in Wakanda for the first time. And then it was like, wah, wah, wah. I mean, it just, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm like, you know, get this stone out, get this stone out of Vision's head. Just, just like, fade this out. Come so, on, man. Uh, I, yeah. mean, I mean, like Rhodey gets off the, you know, the, the aircraft and he's just kind of walking like, yeah, you know, I mean, they, I mean, they're not looking around. They're not taking it in. They're not, they're not in, you know, they're not like in awe. They of, acting of, colonized. Just go ahead and say it. They're acting saying. colonized. That's what's happening. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a lot to criticize about the movie, but that is definitely one point that I was like, hmm, I thought that would be different, or I thought that should have been different, or it could have been done better. I want to hear Bo talk about the fact that Wakanda, the difference between Wakanda and Black Panther and Infinity War, because I think he nailed it. Talk about that, Bo. Well, yeah. I mean, if you think about him in Black Panther, Wakanda was very much a character. Like it was it was probably even like the character of Black Panther. Um, you know, it, 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 you got the sense of it. You got the space of it. You got the culture. There was so much. You know, we, we even uh, in some of our discussions after seeing the movie, like talked about the various like just just the hints of the, of the texture of the place, of, of the lore behind the place, of, of the various religions that are there and, and the different tribes and, and the symbols and what do the symbols mean in the tribes and how we, we barely scratched the surface and yet we got so, so much depth to what this world, uh, you know, quote unquote world really is. Um, but that's when it was a character. That's when, when basically Wakanda was a character. Here, Wakanda is a setting. Like Wakanda is a place. And all right, so this isn't necessarily a criticism of the film, but I think it, it's it's more of just kind of a maybe a personal disappointment. You know, we talked about it in season one of Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. I thought very strongly that the Soul Stone was going to be in Wakanda, that it was actually going to be inside the vibranium uh, uh, meteor that that basically you know Wakanda is built on. But since that's not the case, all of a sudden, sudden Wakanda in the in the in in regards to what is Wakanda to Thanos, it's nothing. It's just, it is literally just a place that, that he has to get through to get to vision. And so like, that's, that's the thing about this movie. Hmm. They made infinity war rightly. So I will say that rightly. So they made infinity war Thanos's story. Like they made, when you've got so many different heroes, you have to juggle to make the villain, the actual like focal point. It makes sense. And we got kind of depth of who he is, but because they did that, because they went that route, the question from the all the different heroes and all of the different spaces in the universe is what are you to Thanos? Like at the end of the day, what are you to Thanos? Like, are you an infinity stone? Like in, in the case of vision, then yes, you're going to get this character development. You're going to get this story. Are you, um, you know, are you, are you possessing the time stone? Are you, you know, all of these different mm-hmm. things, but when it comes down to it, like what kind of almost kind of feels jammed into this movie from that standpoint, it makes sense. All things considered with vision being vibranium and everything else. And Shuri being the, you know, the, the leading mind in vibranium and just in general on the planet. And of course, Wakanda being probably the safest place for anybody to be because of the tech and the defense they have, but that's it. They're reduced to that. I'll even go further. One of the things that we see often in big blockbuster films is the nameless faceless army. 
right? We've seen that in all of the Avengers movies too. Like in the first one, they're fighting the, you know, we know the, the Tachari, but they're all just the exact same alien and everything else. And, you know, they all get killed and by the dozens and, and, you know, the audience isn't supposed to care because they're just like this nameless, faceless army. They did the same thing with Age of Ultron with all of his robots and everything else. They did the same one here with kind of the four-armed aliens. Well, they did that to... The Wakandans as well. They did that to the armies of Wakanda, yeah. and all of a sudden we've got Umbaku and Okoye, but that's about it. Everybody else has just become like a disposable, like like tin soldier, so to speak. And so that yeah. that I found really disappointing because I really, you know, yes, I did love seeing kind of uh, Wakandan defenses play out, and you know, yes, I do love epic battles, but because. Wakanda doesn't have any kind of character development in and of itself. It's people are used as a setting and as a prop to the adventure beyond. And so, yeah, that, that, that was incredibly disappointing. And you know, you know how it is sometimes when you're in like a family reunion, Aaron, you can identify with this. You're in a family reunion, you get with people and you guys know each other, you ham it up, you're having a great time, you're laughing, you're joking, and then you leave and you go back home. And then your family's not there. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a back to reality situation, Mm -hmm. right? So you you had so much fun with your family. Man, we should do this more often. And then you're like, oh, yeah, but this is just going to be a once in a while occurrence. I felt like that's how it was. From Black Panther to Infinity War, it's like we had our own space. We enjoyed it. It was amazing. There was so much texture. There was so much um, dignity. There was so much complexity. It was amazing. And then we stepped out of it. And it's like, oh, this is the real world. Like nobody cares. Ain't nobody cares. You know, nobody cares about our traditions. Nobody cares about our complexity. No one cares. And in as much as we are utility for them, they care. Man. In as much as we can help Vision get the mind stone out of his head, then they care. In as much as we can protect, you know, the people to do in as much as they use our technology, in as much as they use our genius, in as much and so it felt like that's why I felt raw. It wasn't, oh, I just want to see more Black Panther. It was, I feel like we weren't valued in the film. And so now I'm like, man, this is this is great, but there's always gonna be that in my heart watching the film. Like, yo, this should have been more. Like there should have been more inclusions. And I think it's also a testament to Ryan Coogler, because mm-hmm. Coogler filmed Black Panther with such care and such nuance and such attention to detail to see the Russo brothers knowing that they didn't have time to really get into that. But you can tell there's a difference. Like you can tell there's like, oh, okay, yeah, they're going to do the chant and they're going to do this. And then Shuri's going to make this joke. And then they go, it's like, yo, it's so wooden. It's like, man, do you really appreciate what's going on here? But I think really and truly only Kugler could do that in this case. He set the bar high, man. That's the bottom line. I think there's other directors did, that can take take the baton, though. Like I, I, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. But I just don't think the Russo brothers. I think they're great at at incorporation. And if I'm not mistaken, the Russo brothers directed Civil War, right? They did. They did. And they did. I mean, like they did a great and job. So they did a good setting job. Up, you know who who T'Challa was, and even who T'Chaka was. They did. Now it was quick there too, but it was a good it was a good introduction. Like I have to give them props on that. It was a good introduction, but I feel like once they introduced him, they didn't know where to take him from there. So like, ah, just do this, you know. <laughs> I'm like, yo, you can't you can't set up, you know, a two hundred million dollar in opening weekend film where it means so much to everyone and it blows past everyone's expectations and then just give us lip service in I I, I think this is like they didn't expect Black Panther to be what it what it was. And they're like, oh, (laughs) 
this is how it would have been a Black Panther made eighty five million dollars right. yeah. instead of two hundred. And I mean, like you know, I, you I know. say jammed in, but obviously the plan was always to have the big battle sequence in Wakanda. I just, you know, there's there's ways. There's even with the amount of time, I'll, I'll just put it this way: even with the amount of time that was given, and I get it. Like I said, who who is who is Wakanda? What is Wakanda to Thanos? Nothing because there's no infinity stone there beyond vision. They should have been, you know what? I'm not going to get into it. Cause here's the thing. Gamora, like the way they use the soul stone with Gamora and everything was such a perfect conclusion to, yes. to what her character arc has been over all her films. And that's the thing. It's all about trade-offs when it all comes down to it. It's all about trade-offs, mm-hmm. but you know, even in just the battle sequence, man, we saw like, we got reference, right? We got the border tribe. We got the Dormelage. We've got the, uh, um, uh, Mbaku's, uh, tribe, the, um, Jabari, the Jabari. you know, yeah. it, but even if we saw, the various tribes, like you could have taken a little bit of time in that to showcase how these different tribes utilized warfare, like how they were all fighting differently. Yes. Like even yeah. like, yes. like with the barrier tribe, we talked about it. Like, you know, when we got to see their weapons return, I was worried there wasn't going to be consistency there, but there was. So I was thankful for that. But like seeing how they might use more like shield based tactics versus the Jabari and how they may use, you know, whatever it may be. Like I, I just, I would have liked to see that kind of texture brought to it because then at the very least, you do bring some of the richness of kind of the world uh, or I guess the battlefield, the the country, the but the quote unquote world of Wakanda coming into the battle. So, I mean, like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I was I was disappointed by that. But at the same time, I guess I'm not all that surprised because I thought the soul stone was there and it's not. <laughs> right. And so as soon as the soul stone wasn't there, you're like, oh, so this is going to be kind of bland. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> as we talk about kind of some anticipations for the next film, I do want to talk about maybe a couple of characters you know, in that same vein or one character in particular in that same vein. It was kind of disappointing for me. Um and that was Vision. What's wrong with Vision, man? Uh, I get it. He got sliced by the blade. But Vision was weak throughout this entire thing. He was dying just throughout the entire movie. And then at the end, in what I think might be outside of Peter Parker, the most mm. crushing thing, he dies twice. Mm. Like he gets, he gets killed, but then he gets brought back to be killed even worse the second time. And so that was crazy to me. What's up with Vision? And why did they, I feel like they nerfed Vision hard in this film. Like, I feel like they took his powers down considerably because he was just getting smashed. Like he had no, he had no moment where it was like, oh, this is Vision as at his power that we expected. It it just feels like he was just under constant assault and was almost of no use to the team. Did y'all feel that way? I did. The Vision that was presented to us in Age of Ultron versus the vision that was presented to us in Infinity War. The one in Infinity War was basically a shell of himself. I mean, when 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 I, I remember seeing uh watching Age of Ultron going, wow. I mean, because he engaged them a little bit in combat. And then even at the end of Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. just the ease of which he disposed of Ultron. And to watch him from the yeah, very beginning. It was like super quick. It was like in seconds. Like, yeah. And then at the beginning of Infinity, he's getting ragdolled. I'm like, wow, what happened? <laughs> Did love do that to you? Like, what happened? And then, and then Captain, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Did love make you weaker, bro? Like, what's going on? And then Captain America and Black Widow come through and kill the dude, basically dispose of, I mean, they don't Yo, kill him, but they dispose of him so quickly. This. I'm like, This huh? was the dude that threw Thor his hammer. Well, he, exactly. I don't think he could have done that. He couldn't have done that after Civil War, though. Like, I think the argument was that at that point, he was this innocent, like, being. 
Like he was, he was without sin, if you will. Like, so, so at that point in his existence, Mm -hmm. he was quote worthy. But then after the events of civil war, if not before, you know, shooting down Rhodey and everything else, like he, he, he dealt with these kind of moral quandaries and he kind of fell on the wrong side. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's almost like, you know, Mm -hmm. the information he was processing came, came to a failure. And I think if he was to lift the hammer now, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work for him. So, you know, I, I, we, we've dealt with like a vision coming to terms with like his own being and his own consciousness, his own power. Mm-hmm. This movie is about vision coming to terms with his own uh, mortality. Like, again, mm-hmm. something that him as a creature, as a, as a being would never otherwise get, you know, would never otherwise other than this exact situation have to process. On top of that, this was really not necessarily as much about like visions story really had more to do with Scarlet witch and showcasing her power because she has been mm-hmm. kind of this like hideaway insanely insane powerhouse within the Marvel universe yes. that this is really the first time that we get to see her really unleashed to a certain extent. And you know, Tyler, I don't know, if you, I don't know if you noticed this, but this was my first time figuring this out. You know, the color scheme of her powers are red. The same as the red infinity stone, her powers are over reality. Yes. Of course, the red stone is the red stone of reality. And so like in many respects, she like wields the same power that exists in that same stone. And they're really just scratching the surface. I did love when she mm. actually entered the battlefield, how Okoye was like, where's she been this entire time? <laughs> yeah, that was the best part for any Black Panther character. That was an in- incredibly funny scene. And that was just, and it was Denai Guerrero, she delivered it perfectly. Like it was a perfect mm. delivery, everything. Yes. Um, yeah, and so I think I think that's definitely true. I, I feel that Vision... I we'll get into that. I feel like he's dead, but okay, we'll we'll get into that in, in a second. I feel like is anyone dead? Like it, so, let's just let's just oh, go. Yeah. To, is anybody dead? Oh, yeah. Is anyone is anyone for sure gone? I mean, I guess outside of Heimdall and Loki, is anybody dead? I believe so. Who do you think's dead? Like who do you think is not coming back? I don't think Bucky's coming back. Um. Well, I think it'll be what? easier. I think after he showed love to Wakanda, Bucky was just chilling in Wakanda. He was like, "Yo, I love this place, bro. <laughs> this place crazy. Like, yo, I got a new arm. I got everything. Yo, this place. I love this place." <laughs> <laughs> I guess it would be easier for me to just to, to speculate as to who uh, we, we, T'Challa's a given, but I don't think Quill is done. Like, I think Tyler, you said earlier that you think Quill is done. Um. I don't believe he's oh, done. Oh no, no, no. I don't think he's done. I don't think okay. he's done. I just think he's now he's now he's now seen in a different light with the audience. And I think they have to they have to address his decision. They have oh, to address absolutely. what happened on time. Oh yeah, some folks still hot with him. There's there's Team Star Lord is a, a very weak team right now. Um but other than that, man, it it's it's kind of hard to say, you know? Um what do you think? Yeah, I think Vision is is dead in his physical form. So I think he's mm-hmm. going to come back in in kind of immaterial form. So I think Vision will be back. He may be a voice. He may be something else. He may be an entity. But I think he's done in physical form. And I think that was – I think it was a proper send-off for Vision. I think he'll just be in Scarlet Witch's ear with her at all times. But they'll, they won't have that same physical connection. I also don't think Gamora is dead. Um, I think she's, I think she's inside the soul stone. Same so, here. 
you know, we can talk about that in a little bit. But I definitely think Vision, Loki, Heimdall are dead. And I think they're going to kill off some of the Guardians. I feel like it's it for some of them. I don't think they can just bring everyone back. I don't think it's mm-hmm. as simple as grabbing the Time Stone and bringing everyone back. Um, but before I get into that and kind of my theories on Doctor Strange, what he's doing, Bo, who's dead? Because I don't think you think anyone's dead. No, so. I, everybody. I think that everybody that that got killed by the snap is coming back. I think that uh, everybody that died before the snap is dead. Um, Gamora. Uh, okay. I, I, you know, I, I want you to dive into your theory, Tyler. But, but, I, you know, it was such like like I was heartbroken by the loss of her character. But at the same time, it was such like this 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 like you you watched who she was and like. And this is true of a couple of the Guardians, but especially her. They are so defined by their relationship to Thanos that the Guardians, more so than anybody else, really needs to come away very scarred from this battle. And with Thanos mm-hmm. being her father, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know. Like that, that was such a that was such an important death, and so I feel like it kind of almost cheapens mm-hmm. everything if she comes back. But at the same time, I want her to come back. Go into your theory, because I, I like un- unpack where this theory comes from, what it's based off of, and how it might play out in the, in the movies. Yeah, so it, it comes from the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. So it comes from the idea that at a certain point, everything kind of switches. Thanos kills everyone, um, all the heroes, and then snaps. He does a snap, and then half the universe um, is eliminated. Then he fights these cosmic entities. Like, he fights... All these, which I hope we kind of get into. I hope we go cosmic in Avengers 4. He fights all these cosmic entities. But at a certain point, he's doing all this to please death, mistress death. He's doing all this to win her affections. And at a certain point, Adam Warlock enters the situation and is able to convince Thanos um, to come back because Nebula has taken the gauntlet, if I'm understanding that right. Right, Bo? Nebula has taken the gauntlet. that's correct. Nebula. And so- it comes from this idea that at one point in the comics, Nebula comes out of the Soul Stone and is able to remove the gauntlet, is able to surprise Thanos. And so I think there would be some utility in doing something like that with Gamora. Now, here's what I mean when I say she's she's not dead. That doesn't mean she's able to come back in the same capacity that she was in. That doesn't mean she's able to just come back and be a part of the Guardians and then exist. I think there's going to be a price. Mm. Just like there's just a price. And so I think she might say, instead of sacrificing someone else to come out of the soul stone, I'll come out of the soul stone, but then I'll go back into it or I sacrifice myself. So I think it's only going to be a temporary thing where she's able to come out at a climactic moment and disarm Thanos, wound Thanos, hurt him, kill him, whatever it may be. Um, I doubt they'll, they'll actually kill Thanos, but actually just put her in a place where she's able to have something of decisive measure so that her character isn't just thrown off the cliff and then that's the last thing we see of her. Right. But that she she's able to choose to fade away. She's able to choose to go into the soul realm, so to speak, or go into a different dimension, that there's always a cost. So that's what makes me think that. But another thing I would say is, you know, even as people talk about, well, they could just get the time zone and reverse it, just like Thanos did with 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 vision. You can't really wield the time stone unless you have, you can't just wield the time stone by itself. So that assumes that someone's going to get the gauntlet. 
because you just because you have the time stone, Doctor Strange is gone. Right. So nobody's going to be able to. I mean, I guess Wong maybe, but you know, he's not really adept at wielding the time stone in and of itself. So someone's got to be able to wield something. So just because you have the time stone doesn't mean anything. Like you have to have the gauntlet, or you have to have someone who knows how to wield it. And I feel like it's not going to be that simple. I feel like there's going to have to be a trade. There's going to have to be some sort of of negotiation amongst the characters as to who lives and who dies. Um, you know, not like a negotiation where we sit down and have a phone conference. Like I'm saying, you know, <laughs> something that happens very quickly and in the moment to where someone decides. Uh, but but what do you think? What do you think is going to happen in Avengers Four? Yeah, I, I you know six stones, six original members. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, you mentioned the kind of the clearing the deck, everybody that's new, most, most everybody that's new is gone and we're, we're right back to our original six Avengers. Uh, we didn't see Hawkeye in this movie, but I could easily see, um, you know, his family being wiped out and him joining with the rest of the Avengers to make the ultimate Ronin. sacrifice. Uh, yeah, no, the, uh, the, the Ronan, uh, arc of, of kind of this, uh, where, where Hawkeye goes in the comics. Sure. I've, I've seen, well, yeah, you know, we've 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 seen you know the images and the promotional things. There's a lot of speculation. They never actually called, by the way, Cap uh, Nomad. There was a lot of uh, uh, nods he to did. Cap's alternate uh, a name from the comics uh, when he goes on his own. Um, and so, that in many respects, he was instead of Captain America, he was Nomad. This uh, this <laughs> I almost said this issue. This uh, this movie. Exactly. But um, no. I can easily see the six Avengers coming together, choosing to make the ultimate sacrifice to restore the rest of, of life and the universe. Um, you know, if maybe it's them each holding a stone, uh, maybe it's mm. there being a gauntlet that Tony gets and they all have to kind of uh, help him like give their power kind of in the same way that the guardians did when they first held a stone. Um, I know that before any of that can happen, everybody's got to come back to life because cap has not yet said what he's supposed to say, what he should have said the first movie. They've been saving the iconic yeah, line Avengers, of Avengers, yeah, Avengers assembled. Stop. And so that is yet to happen, which means that I, I foresee at some point in Avengers four, the resurrection of everyone. Maybe it's after the core members have made their, their, their choice, but they've got some time left to wail on Thanos, but cap giving that line and having not just the you know the Avengers, but also the Guardians and and uh, you know the the Wakanda heroes. I guess <laughs> the team Wakanda. They're not necessarily Avengers, not necessarily Guardians. <laughs> right, right. But um, you know, actually, you know, all of these Marvel heroes coming together uh, for you know that big that big scene. Right. We never got like the everybody running in a line or anything like that. We never got the, they faked us out. They faked it was an intentional out. fake out. Yeah. And so like, that's coming. That's, that's gotta come at some point. Uh, Cause it's too iconic not to have all of these characters and not to try to get them all on screen in some capacity for a hero shot. So yeah, I think that's, what's going to happen. I think the, the main six are uh, the original six Avengers will sacrifice themselves, which will set up a bold new world for a post Avengers Marvel universe. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, that's, that's, that's where my hope is. A fantastic Marvel universe. Oh! Yes. Now, now, now don't <laughs> but, X out uh, any possibilities. Don't X out any possibilities, man. Exactly. Exactly. Um, before I kick it to Aaron, I, I do want to say something I've been thinking about that I really feel is going to happen. I think we're going to get the return of Hulk, but I think we're going to get world breaker Hulk. Like I think we're going to get, powerful Hulk, because here's what I think will happen. I think that Thanos will kill Natasha. And I think that at some point she'll die 
and that will bring Hulk back. But it'll bring Hulk back in a way that hasn't happened before. Um, and I think it'll bring back World Breaker Hulk, who is super powerful, um, whose storyline, if you know, World Breaker Hulk had at one point the ability to take on the entire X-Men, like the entire class of X-Men, um, to basically just dispose of them with no problems. Um, basically, it was connected to the Illuminati storyline and they had isolated, well, they had banned him to a different planet. And then something happened where he lost his family on that different planet. He ascended to the top of that planet as the king. And then he lost his family because there was destruction of that planet. So he came back and he blamed the Illuminati. And so he just basically takes on everyone. And so that would be amazing. Thanos with part of the gauntlet or with the entire gauntlet versus Worldbreaker Hulk. I think that would be phenomenal. And I hope they do that. So I think we're going to get that. But Aaron, before we close out, what's going to happen? I think we're going to, with Guardians of the Galaxy, we were introduced to, uh, you know, the drama on a cosmic scale. I believe that that's going to expand in a way that people aren't aren't even probably even ready for, and and that's what I I think that um, you know with with Captain Marvel being introduced and and all of these different entities um, and 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 uh, and beings uh, you mentioned even that that Thanos has to deal with in the comics. I think those will be brought into the picture, at least hopefully, just to show how big and how grand in scope the battle really is and how it's not something that's just centered on Earth and maybe even a hint of the idea of like multiple universes and things like that. Yes, yes. We got to do that, man. Because see, here's the thing. Doctor Strange, I feel like we got an accurate description of how powerful Mm -hmm. he is. When he went one on with Thanos, and he lasted longer than I thought he was, but Thanos hit him so hard. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Thanos hit him so hard, his soul left his body for him. Yeah, <laughs> like his soul left his body for a second. Was like, I was like, yo, this is crazy. But Doctor Strange was super powerful, and I would love to see more of that in kind of a cosmic uh, level. I don't know if it's with the Celestials. I don't really care. Like, I just want to see something that's really cosmic in scale. Because a lot of these characters that we're dealing with are earthbound. And so we have to get someone who's going to kind of take it up a notch to to handle Thanos. That's why I think, you know, they said Captain Marvel is the most powerful superhero that they've ever um, introduced, which I don't know how they got that. But um, OK, yeah. <laughs> um, that's what they want to do. That's fine. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't. I, I mean, you can chime in, but I'm just like, really? That's what we're going to do? Um, but. All right, I don't think it's really gonna. She's gonna be the difference. I think they're gonna have to introduce a number of different characters to kind of deal with mm-hmm. the problem that is yeah. Thanos. I don't. I don't think that. You know, don't don't get me wrong. I'm I'm stoked for Captain Marvel. Uh, I'm I am like, too. I would have. I honestly, I I was. You know, I'm, I'm fine with it being Captain Marvel. I was a little bit like Miss Marvel. Why, why not Miss Marvel? Why why why, why Captain right. Marvel? But that's whatever. And then Shazam is coming out like a month after the Captain See, Marvel. See, that's why movie. they did it, right? And Shazam was called Captain Marvel at one point, yep. so it's like, yo, you guys are you guys are petty, man. Marvel is petty, bro. It's 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 uh it's the the Superman mustache situation all over again. Like, how can we how can we find little ways just to to, to take down DC? <laughs> 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 Knock out effect, but no, man, I'm I'm stoked for that movie. Obviously, 
uh, it's it's one of these it's one of these like great accomplishment type movies, right? Like the first female led superhero film from Marvel that is embarrassingly ten years later. Um, Absolutely. So it's yep. it's you know it's one of those uh, you know uh, moments of, of celebration and and also kind of like yep, but well it's it's somewhat tainted in that way. And on top of that, though, it's true of the industry, right? We only really ever have yes. uh, the Wonder Woman film. So this is their this is Marvel's response. This is like probably the first time Marvel has to respond to DC uh, with hmm. with Captain yeah. Marvel, and so it's a unique position for them to be in. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how they do it. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Carol Danvers is a very complex character, uh, you know, very exciting. She's got a cool power set. Uh, she is going to, I think, the, the choice of what they're going to do with making it a 90s film and uh, taking place in the 90s. So we're going to have, you know, de-aged uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. We're going to have uh, a return I of villains that, that we haven't that seen. so much. Yeah. So I think they're they're utilizing the generational nature of the universe they've established in a really cool way. So I'm looking forward to it. But is she going to be like the thing? Like, is she going to be the one thing that like saves the entire universe? <laughs> yeah. Like this late so. in the game? No, no, it would be, it would be, that, that would be a, that would be a bad move. I think if they did that, I think yeah, that she will show up it. and she will help get Tony back on earth. And I think that's, you know, and she'll fight in the big battle sequence, but I don't think that she's going to be like the Luke Skywalker of the universe. Yeah, that's going to be, that would cheapen it a little bit in, in my view. And then, you know, we could also get the scrolls as well, which I would, oh, we'll, we'll talk about that in, in advance Galactus. of this. Cause we, there's so many things. Yeah. The scrolls, Galactus, all these things that I feel like could really be powerful. Adam Warlock, Nova. There's just so many different ways that this can go. Right. But before we can get to Avengers four, we got to get to once upon a time in Wakanda season two. Oh, so we what? know season one happened. We had a little bridge here with Infinity War, but I'm here to announce, yo, season two is coming. Season two is coming faster and quicker than you know. Season two, we're going to be talking about some of the characters that you guys have begged us for. You're going to get the Killmonger episode. You're going to get a Zuri episode. You're going to get a Ramonda episode. You're going to get deeper dives into some of the other characters, things that we have not had a chance Nakia. to talk about. And you're going to get some intersections with the comics as well as we anticipate Black Panther 2, Avengers 4, all these insane movies that are coming out. We're going to nerd out. We're going to geek out. And don't think for any reason that just because we're not dealing with four or five main characters, that they're not going to make appearances in season two or that this in any way, shape or form will lose your interest. Listen, there is a rich story. There's so many different ways that we can take this discussion. So we want you guys to follow us at Wakanda Podcast um, on Twitter. And we want you guys to, again, Follow us and find out how you can help. Find out how you can make season two a reality because it's coming quicker than you know this summer. That's how quick it's coming. It's coming this summer. It's coming within the next few. Well, you'll just have to see when it's coming, but it's coming <laughs> so soon. We're excited. We're going to get in the lab and record it just for you guys, just for the people. And we want to thank you for supporting Once Upon a Time in Wakanda season one. And for listening to the Infinity War singular, not Infinity Wars, Infinity War review. We'll see you guys in season two. Once Upon a Time in Wakanda is brought to you by The Witness, a black Christian collective and produced by Pottery Studios. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the entire first season now available at WakandaPodcast.com. And keep the discussion going by following us on Twitter at Wakanda Podcast.
This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.